One thing about mama, she is going to make sure that everyone else is taken care of before she even thinks about treating herself. So if you are looking for the perfect gift to make mom feel special this Mother's Day, make sure you check out the Mega Moisture Duo from Osea Malibu because body care is self-care. Since 1996, Osea has been making clean, clinically proven, seaweed-infused skincare. So this Mother's Day, treat mom to the everyday spa experience she deserves. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code GSPP at OseaMalibu.com. Plus, you'll get free samples with every order and free shipping on orders over $60. Head to OseaMalibu.com and use code GSPP for 10% off. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You can wish for it or you can work for it. You gotta work for greatness. If you ain't working, you should be working. Welcome to Confessions of a Workaholic, where we share the success secrets of fearless female entrepreneurs who are obsessed with success. This is your girl, Coriel, and today is a super special episode because we have our very first edupreneur in the building. Our conversation is brought to you by Work, Pray, Slay Weekend, which returns to Atlanta November 2nd through 4th. For details on how you can attend the biggest and best women's weekend of the year, be sure to log on to WorkPraySlay.com. Now, today's guest is award-winning educator and founding principal of Mott Hall Bridges Academy, Nadia Lopez. She's been awarded, honored, and celebrated, I'm sorry, celebrated by President Obama, BET's Black Girls Rock, The Ellen Show, and so many other outlets for the work that she is doing in our community. And I am super excited and honored to introduce her to my Confessions audience. So Nadia, are you ready to confess? I am ready to confess. <laughs> okay, so I always like to start these conversations by asking what your professional background is in because typically our passions um, lead us away from our profession. But I'm not quite sure um, if that's the case with you. But I do want you to start off by just telling us kind of where your career started. Although it may have been in education, what did you actually start your career doing that led you um, to becoming the founding principal that you are today? Well, actually, when I went to college, I studied nursing. I graduated with my bachelor's. Um, everyone had expectations that I would be on a nursing floor, and I just could not see myself doing it. Um, I love everything about it, the holistic approach, but I just knew that it wasn't my calling in life. So ultimately, what ended up happening is I worked for the telephone company, Verizon, of all places. Um, as uh, an accounts collections representative. 
And I pretty much took the job on because of the great benefits and the opportunity to go back to school for free um, because they paid 100% tuition reimbursement. And, um, and then I realized like, I was not going to be in the corporate setting for very long, um, especially not after having my own daughter and realizing how much, um, how much educators have influence over your children and wanting to know what I could do to be the same thing that someone was for me when I was growing up and my parents entrusted um, me in the education system with some phenomenal teachers. So I decided to go into the New York City Teaching Fellows, which is an alternative program um, for people to get um, their certification to be in the classroom. And I realized that that was significantly hard um, because they put you in, you know, the most um, high risk, high needs areas. And it was kind of disheartening when you walk in and you realize that our babies um, who have the most promise, people just don't think that they can do anything. They don't have expectations for them. So I found myself wanting to how, figuring out how to change the narrative and give children hope, um, as so many educators have done for me. And through that process, you know, it wasn't just about seeing the system being oppressive from the outside. It was like people who were in classrooms, people who looked like them, who didn't think much of them. And I just was like, I can't accept this. I need to do more. Um, and it eventually led me to opening up an all-girls school um, as a founding teacher, the Urban Assembly Institute for Young Women in Math and Science. And that was amazing because just for girls to be able to do anything related to science and math, I just thought was the creme de la creme because it just taught girls that they were awesome and um, could do anything. And then eventually I was just like, you know what, I need to have balance between girls and boys. And um, I eventually decided to go into the leadership program, which was New Leaders and wrote a proposal, presented it to the Department of Education, and voila, I became the founding principal of my Officers Academy, and I've been here eight years now. Okay, so first of all, we have so much in common. I definitely thought I was gonna be a nurse for one semester. That's how long I lasted. At Tennessee State University, I got my very first D in like intro to nursing, and that was all she wrote. So of course I went on, um, went on back to the education building and decided that that was more my speed. Um, and then the all girls thing, I also had the opportunity to teach an all girls uh, class before leaving the classroom. So we definitely have a lot um, in common and I can just, hear your passion um, for education and, and for our children and to leave a nursing career and to go into a, um, I'm sure it was a, a pay cut, you know, a lower paying um, career, which is so unfortunate, you know, that the education system has that um, to deal with as well as all of the other, you know, the other hardships um, that we have to deal with as teachers. But you have to have a passion to do that um, and to do it at the level that you're doing it, right? Because you're not just a teacher. You are so much more than that. But I want to talk about like that transition um, from 
what you thought was going to be a nursing career into education. What did that look like for you? And did you have to deal with the doubts of any other people? Because I always find it so interesting how other people have so many opinions about what we should do, how we should do it, what our life should look like, you know, what moves we should be making, what makes the most sense. So did you have to deal with the doubts of other people? And if so, how did you work through that? Um, I don't think in terms of the transition to, from, from nursing into education, I mean, my mother thought I was crazy. She was like, what do you mean you going from nursing to answering phones? She was not happy with that. Um, but when I was in, when I was at the phone company, there were a lot of people who were just more concerned about making money. Um, as opposed to seeing purpose. And so when I said that I was leaving, cause at the time they were buying people out and it came at the opportune time where I could sign off and get a severance pay that would cover me for the months that I was gonna be out transitioning into education. I just, I just wanted to be able to feel like I was doing something to better others. And my colleagues were like, please, you know how much money we make, you know how much overtime we make, and we don't have to deal with kids, and we don't have to this, and I was just like, but that's not what my life is going to be like, like, I'm not good with being complacent, I'm not good with this, doing the same thing every single day, I, like, I need to make moves, and I need to be challenged, I need to feel like I'm growing, and, you know, no shade or knocking anybody else who um, has ever gone to work in telecommunications, because there's many opportunities that come but for me, um, you know, at the time that I was working at the phone company, there was, you know, I had a manager and he was very adamant about not allowing me to grow. Like he, he was standing in my way and would tell people that I wasn't able to be efficient as a worker. I came to work every day late. I was like, that's impossible. You can't do that in, in, in Verizon. Um, but he didn't, he literally didn't want to see me move up in the corporate ladder. And you know, I, I praise God for that because that's not where I was supposed to be at. Now, when I got into education, I found that there were a lot of people telling me what I should do. Like when I said, oh, I want to make sure that I focus on providing equity not just for our girls but for our boys they were like you know just stay in your lane when it comes to the girls you know our girls need empowerment our girls need um strong black women and I was like but what about our boys like no one's taking time to see how much they're struggling and they're also not taking time to invest in them and I was like I have a daughter like if we not making sure that these young men are equipped and know how phenomenal they are and show them what resources they are. Like she's gonna one day fall in love with someone who may not have had a role model, who may have not been the person who wanted to invest. So no, I don't need your opinion. But it also taught me like, you can't tell everybody everything. So I'm very good at like waiting until I'm about to venture into something or I've already done it and then I share. And then, you know, a lot of people are like, well, why did you do that? And honestly, it's just like people's energy, whether it's intentional or not, it can make you feel doubtful. It could just make you feel as though um, what you're doing is not something that's worthy of being done. And so I feel like when God gives you an idea, he didn't call everybody else to be part of that process. Those who need to be it, he sends them to you. But outside of that, 
folks, you know, sometimes they find out on Instagram or <laughs> Facebook, unfortunately, but I just get in my zone and do what I need to do. Such a good point. You know, sometimes, well, I always say, you know, that energy is transferable, good energy and bad energy. So people's doubts, their opinions, their, their you know, limiting beliefs typically stem from their own beliefs about themselves, but they can definitely put that off on you if you aren't strong enough or if you aren't confident enough or if you haven't thought through your idea enough. So it's definitely always a good idea um, to, to think on it, you know, and to get quiet and to, to know, you know, the, the value and what you have so that nobody can take that away from you um, when you do start sharing. Um, and then everybody mama think they're crazy when they, you know, want to try something new, when they want to take a leap of faith, when they want to step outside of, you know, their comfort zone or what people quote unquote expect from them. But I think I think that's just part of it and working through that gives you that um that confidence that you need to be able to defend yourself because anytime you're doing something new or something different you know you're gonna have to defend yourself um and that i think process just gives you tougher skin um but as an educator right and as an educator who truly truly was passionate about the kids and you know didn't necessarily like i would i would i i'd rather you know get reprimanded for doing what I thought was best than to just kind of go with the flow. I was that teacher. And I know as a principal, that's probably not your favorite kind of teacher, but I really, really had strong beliefs in what was um, valuable for our kids versus what was just required, you know, what was just on the test, um, so to speak. What do you think can be done about just how jacked up the system is these days? Like how it's so much so about test scores and less about adding value. Like what do you think we can do? Um, because obviously you still have hope in, you know, in education and in the system, but what do you think we can do as parents and as community advocates and leaders? What can we do to kind of work with um, the education, education system? Well, here's the thing. Um, when you talked about being that person who pretty much was disruptive and not following the status quo, that was me. I mean, I didn't get into leadership as quickly as I did because I was willing to sit around and accept just anything. <clears throat> I was willing to challenge what I felt was mediocrity. I was willing to challenge what I felt was like um, an absurd way of teaching children without honoring their talents and their abilities and understanding, you know, holistically, like where they're coming from and what are some of their struggles. And I find that, you know, in essence, what education has been lacking is the child, the heart of education, you know, at the end of the day, um, it's a business, it's a billion dollar business. And people are making money. So the people who write the curriculum, the people who make up the tests, the people who sell the equipment that we use in the school, all of this is a business and they make um, deals with the Department of Education, whether it's in New York or Atlanta. So everyone is making money off of the backs of children and primarily in our community communities of color we have to subscribe to everything because we got to make it seem like by that we're 21st century bound and by doing every single thing that people throw at us or buying every single thing that's going to make our schools better that's not what makes our schools better what makes our schools better is professional development for our teachers. What makes our schools better is parent involvement. What makes our schools better is leaders who understand and have a vision of where they want children to go. Um, so as the community, I say, you know, 
you know, I have this mantra about occupy schools and I open the school to close a prison. People have to show up. You know, oftentimes folks are like, well, I don't know where to start. Say you're a volunteer two hours, just two hours. You're gonna come in and talk to the kids. You may wanna volunteer once a month and read with kids. If you're in a sorority or fraternity, do a community service project, mentor. I mean, there's so many things that can be done that changes the landscape of, you know, where the future trajectory can hold for these children. Um, we're always looking to make big changes without trying to start with small feats. You know, it's just little things that actually make the greater difference. These children need consistency. They need to see that people care, people are invested in who they are and want to show them where they can go. Because oftentimes they're just as limited, not only by their community, their immediate community, but, you know, there are teachers who are often not like world travelers, don't, have never been outside of their immediate community, don't, you know, have an experience in the business world. So how are you preparing the next generation to be part of the 21st century if you yourself haven't even had that opportunity of getting exposed? Um, so that's why I'm always inviting people in because I just don't want my children to learn. I want my staff to learn. I want them to be excited. I want them to know like, this is what you're preparing these kids for, for the next, for the, um, this next generation. Like, this is your job. This, you need to feel like this is your blessing. This is, this is it. And if they're not excited about it, then guess what? The children are not going to learn. And that's how our education system just continues because the reality is that it's unforgiven. It's not going to ask us permission to change. It's not going to try to change. We can do whatever we need to in our spaces. We need to just be the village, show up, and not make excuses about it. So another thing that I think we definitely have to start doing better, um, aside from the system, what about the parents? Because I feel like when I was in education, a lot of the parents relied on the school for everything, you know, and it was so sad and so obvious to see which students, you know, were going places on the weekends and were spending time with their parents versus the ones who just all they had was us, you know, all they had was, you know, the, the educators. What can we do better as parents? And I keep saying, you know, like just advocates, because I'm not a parent yet, but I have nieces, I have nephews, I have, you know, children in my community that I care about. What can we do better so that it doesn't just fall um, onto the education, the educators for everything? Well, here, here's the unfortunate part, like parental involvement, being as low as it is, didn't start today. It didn't start a year ago. When I was, when I was the, the same age as my scholars now, I mean, I remember my mother dragging me to every PTA meeting and there would only be five parents out of a student body of 700 at the, in the auditorium, right? And my mother would bring in shirts so that we could get an uh, accommodation, um, that said, you know, 100% of us had our, our white shirts and blue skirts and blue pants on. Like, she was that parent. Um, she wanted to make sure, like, every child was treated equal. Um, but I believe that, unfortunately, there are a lot of parents who didn't have good um, relationships within the schools that they attended. So for them, going to school is like, it causes anxiety because, you know, if they didn't graduate or they feel like people in the school system are 
standoffish. They don't, they don't like coming in. And the times that they do come in, they're angry and they don't, they don't know how to effectively communicate what their needs are. That's one. The second thing, there are parents who are like busy, who have two jobs or have more than one child and trying to balance. And for me, I'm just like, whether you're the working parent or you're the parent who doesn't work, if you can't make it, I need you to find your number two, your number two, your number three. I have always warned my parents since the day I opened the school, don't ask me for any graduation tickets over the two that you get unless I see somebody else come up in here. No one else is worthy of a ticket to celebrate this scholar's success and they weren't part of the process. So unless it is somebody that I physically have seen, that when we needed to call, whether there was a meeting, you showed up in, 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 in stay of that other person, the parent who couldn't come, don't ask me for that. And my parents know, like, I'm dead serious when I say that, because it requires us to make the commitment to find those people who have our back. So I'm always at work, and I have a 16-year-old. I cannot do the work that I do and be an active participant in my daughter's education process if I didn't have my mother who goes to the school in my absence, who knows all of the teachers. So everybody knows my mom, every single person. So if you gotta get your auntie, your uncle, your godmother, your cousin, your big brother, whoever, somebody else needs to show up. And if you don't have anybody, then send an email, get everybody's phone number. My mother used to have every teacher's phone number up until I was in high school. And she would call. And she would ask questions, even though she didn't understand any of what they were saying, but she just wanted them to know, like, y'all not going to fool with my daughter. And that's how it has to be. It, and, you know, I, I understand that we are dealing with, like, with the deficit, right? Like, we are, as, as Black people, we are coming, you know, uh, there's lots of things working against us. We have um, to come so much further. We have to work twice as hard and come so much further, but we just have to you know, if you knew better, you do better. So as we learn more, as we become better, as we evolve as a people, we just have to start doing better. Um, I mean, I can, when you talk about the graduation thing, like I can tell you how many times the, the, the most challenged student in the class, that was the parent who wanted to know about the holiday party or who wanted to know about the field trip. And it's like, where are you at these at these conferences? Where are you with this after school tutoring? So we have to get our priorities together um, as a culture um, and just start taking education more seriously, period. And knowing that it's not just at school. That's not the only time you're learning is, you know, when, when you are within the school um, building. But with all the work that you've done and all of the time and the effort and the energy that you have put into <coughs> educating your scholars, how does it feel when you are recognized by President Obama? How does it feel when you are called to get this award at Black Girls Rock? Like, how does it feel when you are called by The Ellen Show? How does it feel to finally get, um, you know, some, some rewards for all of that, the work that you've put in? I mean, it's an amazing feeling. It's also humbling, though, um, because, you know, it all happened at the same time. And it it's not like when you go into education when you become an educator you you do this job um not looking for the validation because it's a thankless job you often don't hear i appreciate you i thank you for what you've done 
Um, so to receive it on such a high level back to back was like, you know, I'm not going to lie and say it was easy. It was overwhelming um, because at the same time that you're getting praise, there are other people who are waiting to just tear you down um, and don't see the, the value of the labor, right? So folks would think like, oh, she just, she just um, came up or she just like, it was an overnight success. And it's just like, no, you don't understand the grind. You don't understand what I put into this. Um, so some of it, you know, for me, not some of it, but majority of it comes down to favor and, and, and the amount of tears that I have cried, the amount of fights that I've had to put up, um, whether it was folks in the department of ed, my scholars, their parents, my teachers, you know, I was just, sometimes I just felt like it was a losing battle, which made it easy for me to say, I don't want to do this not another day because I felt like I had compromised so much for my daughter. Um, so in those moments, like when I went to um, the, pres the, the White House to meet with the president, I took my daughter with me. Like she was right there um, in the Oval Office and had the opportunity of meeting the president. When I got my award at Black Girls Rock, she was right there. Like I wanted her more than anything to know, like for all the sacrifice, for the times that I'm not always there with you, you know, this is what it's for. Um, so, you know, it's, it's surreal. Um, and I think that, you know, every educator should have the opportunity of knowing that what they do really, really matters. So true. It's so often that the, the ones who work the hardest get, you know, they get, they end up with the more work, you know, because they're so good at their job and they're so, you know, um, dynamic in the classroom that they end up doing so much and not being celebrated. Um, and that's something else that I think that we have to do um, is not giving these educators such a hard time, you know, definitely making sure that we are on their side um, more than we are, are not um, and, and just all all in it for the kids, making sure that all of our goals are aligned. And I love that you mentioned, you know, that, um, not that I love that you mentioned, but I can relate when you mentioned, you know, people looking at you and thinking, well, you just got started. You know, you didn't, you haven't put in that many years um, or thinking that your, your success has been, you know, an overnight thing when they don't get to see, you know, the blood, the sweat, the tears, the tears, the tears, the tears that you put in, you know, to, to build in these, this, this business and this career and um, into this education system. And I think that it's a similar journey that entrepreneurs have. Um, so what are some of the, the lessons or the biggest lesson that you've learned in, um, in this journey um, and the biggest challenge, I guess, that, that you've learned? What has it taught you that you can now turn around and teach to your daughter? Overall, the biggest lesson has been, <laughs> excuse me, um, faith, having faith and building resilience. Um, you know, it is not easy to have a vision and know what you, you like, you can eat, breathe, taste and feel what, what you're supposed to do and see what's supposed to happen. Like, Anybody who's ever started a business, so whether it's having started Mott Hall Bridges Academy or starting the Lopez Effect, um, you know, you, you know what you want. You know how you're going to get it done. Um, but 
there are going to be days that no, you're by yourself. You feel alone and no one believes in you. And it almost makes you feel like you're the one going crazy because no one can see what you see. And either they're standing in your way or they're not standing with you um, to make it happen. Um, so that faith that God gave you a vision and has a purpose for you, I mean, it has to that's like my rock. And the resilience is like, again, having to push through um, and knowing that <clears throat> despite what anyone says, despite, you know, all the things that may say no, every door that may have closed, every, every person who has thrown salt or shade on you, I mean, you know, it's like what you said earlier, it's a reflection of where they're at. Um, and you can't get bogged down. It, it really does make you so much stronger. Um, so those are the two things. Like my daughter has learned that. And, and the last thing is like, you know, just like key to yourself. You know, like I have, a, I have a core group of people. I always tell her everyone is not your friend. You need to know how to categorize people in your life. Um, you need to know who to tell what to. Um, you have to build trust, you know, but always be observant. And, you know, be 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 humble by what you receive because anything that's given to you can be easily taken away and people remember that so you know those are the core things um that i tried to show her you know and 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 now that she's 16 i see so much of me and her it's funny you see the hard work paying off. You can see the reflection of all that um, investing that you've been doing. And I'm sure that she sees um, that she sees your sacrifice and sees that work that you are putting in. And it's just as proud of you as all of us are um, because you are literally dedicating your life, um, you know, to doing what you feel like needs to be done for others. And so for that, I definitely salute you. I thank you. If, if nobody understands the work of an educator, trust me when I say I understand it. Um, and, and to do it at the level and with the excellence that you are doing it, it is, it's remarkable. Um, and, and know that you are going to be blessed. You are already being blessed, but the, the, the sacrifice is just, it, it's going to be worth it. Um, and I have truly, truly enjoyed this conversation, Nadia. And I know you mentioned the Lopez effect, which is where um, my audience can find out more and read more about your story at thelopezeffect.com. But is there anything else that you want them to know? Anything else that um, we can do to support what you have going on? Please let us know. Well, I do have two books. Um, the first one is The Bridge to Brilliance, which is a memoir, personal journey of opening the school and you know, telling the story of my scholars and um, everyone can really relate to it. It is a really easy read. I wrote it from the heart. Um, and my second one is teaching in the fourth industrial revolution. And it's really just highlighting some of the amazing work that's happening around the world um, from countries within Africa to Philippines to the United States, just teachers who are doing the most with nothing, who are transforming lives. Um, so I'm a co-author in that book. And, um, you know, like you said, they can continue to follow me at The Lopez Effect. That's on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. I'm always updating, just sharing my journey um, as I travel around the world to just, you know, share my love for education and really change the narrative for our young people, especially our, um, black and brown babies who are exceptional and just need to be reminded of that every single day. 
I love it. This has been another game-changing episode of Confessions of a Workaholic, meant to empower and encourage you to get that ass to work. You already have everything you need to get everything you want if you are willing to do what it takes. Thank you so much for tuning in. I will see you next week. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.